My name is Gunner. I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, and artists and lovers of music just to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. Well, let's talk about COVID. It's wreaking havoc on practically everything in our world. I mean, everything from the economy, the oil, education, work, companies, bars, restaurants. And I read a study that said by Halloween, 90% of all music bar clubs will be closed in Austin. But my take, my take is that maybe most of the clubs might close for good, but there's not a chance that Austin will relinquish its title of a live music capital of the world. There'll be a ton of new clubs opening up, and I can't wait for things to open up. I miss playing out. I miss playing out, having a rocking time with everybody, having fun. And once we're out playing again, you can catch us at our monthly happy hour residency from 6 to 8 at the Little Longhorn Saloon on the first Friday of every month. And, oh, guess what? We just went in the studio. The Big Gun Show. My band is going um, over Labor Day. We went in. And a new record called Honky Rock. Side A is Honky Tonk. Flip it over. It's full on rock and roll. And today, I'm talking to Bruce Castleberry. He's the lead guitarist for both Vallejo and Southtown. He's also starting something up with AJ Vallejo called Brody Lane. Um, I first saw the first incarnation of Brody Lane, but apparently it's now different. Uh, FYI, they call him Lightning because he never strikes the same thing or plays the same thing twice. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this specific podcast is all the stories that Bruce has to go along with his favorite records. I mean, we talk about how he sound checked for the Colts equipment at the Alamo Dome and how the brothers used to play the same set before they all got together and how he used to call himself Cornelius Covarcier and how in his youth someone snorted some PCP off an amp. Now let's get to the conversation, but first, close your eyes. You're stranded in the country with an AR-15. What five records do you have? Okay, so ladies, gentlemen, this is going to be an awesome conversation. I've got Bruce Castleberry right here on the line. Hi, Bruce Edward. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, just showcased a couple of my amps to you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, the names uh, blue old blue we could we could work on that name of that name just because it's blue you know what you like black granny though how about yeah i did because that made sense um i called her i could call her sharon tweed you know i don't know you could call her or you could call the blue one uh earl campbell okay or um somebody i just call her i'll call her just i'll just call her like mulata because she's light blue there you go. See, now we're getting a little creative with it. I like it. You, you, you push it out of me, man. Every time. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about your top five records of all time. What, you know, so here, I'm going to go ahead and list them off right now. Um, okay. Gretchen right. Goes to Nebraska by King's X. Rocks by Aerosmith. Urban Hang Sweet Maxwell. That was freaking awesome. My wife loved it or loves uh-huh. it. Um, uh, Righteous by Dag. And love by the cult. Very a little, very uh, uh, all the way around. Yeah, you know, you know there's. Uh, I mean, I can pretty much see how every one of these fits into your into your arsenal or into your quiver for sure. Um, knowing how you play guitar, who you play it with, it's it's it, it's obvious to me. But let's start off with old Dag. Is that how you say it, Dag? 
Dag, yes. They are a, a, a beautiful funk band that me and the Vallejo boys fell into, you know, in the 90s. And, you know, we first heard them like, God, what? In, listen to this. And they're all white funk band from. Honkies. Uh, yeah, a bunch of honkies from North Carolina. And that's right. Uh, uh, they, uh, I mean, Robert Palmer, you know, rest in peace. He, he was a big fan of them because I, I think one of us heard him saying that, like saying something like, yeah, you guys got to get a load of this and we're on the road. And, and that was one of the, you know, we heard that and that was one of our road CDs everywhere. We, you know, we get in there we put that on and we just get after it, you know? Yeah. But I, mean, um, I felt it, like, it, go ahead. No, it was, it was one of those that I honestly, in the arsenal of making love, that was one of the ones that would, if you had that one and shot a, and we'll get to Maxwell, those are my go-tos right there. You, I mean, you get your little kibatsa, little swish swish, and you throw any one of those three on. And if you can't get after it after that, then you just ain't got it. Sorry. Cause I mean, what, that, that walks you, that walks you through. That's one one. That's what I call a panty dropper. Straight up. All three there we go. Well, okay, so here's here was my take when I listened to it because I remember the album cover, uh, and I think I heard it back because I mean it was released in 1994. But coming going back and listening to it, and thank you for making me do so. Um, I got the 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 throw people in a blender, and this is what you get. So I'm throwing Jamiroquai, Maroon Five, George Clinton, and Prince. Into yeah, a blender. he was huge huge prince guy man you could tell straight up just as in his vocal inflections and everything man yeah that falsetto is just insane it's a for a white and dude he's look he and he was the bass player the singer i know one of the main writers and he was like shorter than me <laughs> you oh, know really? yeah he was a little bitty guy you know but and he he obviously had to play a little bitty bass or something but because if he played a p bass it would look a little awkward you know what i'm saying yeah it would squash him yeah, no, uh, his name is Bobby Pattinson, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, man, I'm telling you, that falsetto was just like, I was like, well, what, you can't do that? Yeah, and, and they and they had, a, I guess, one of their keyboard players, you know, being from the southeast over in North Carolina, uh, they had a, uh, their, their keyboard player. He, he was a – she was uh, married to uh, that old boy that played for the Black Crows, uh, and he played for the Cry of Love. What was his name? The guitar player. Chris um, Robinson, Mark Ford. No, he was the later one. Uh, God damn it, I can't think of it right off the top of my head. Not but one of the they, no, but it, it was it was that whole that area over there, you know, where after you get outside Atlanta and then going up there, they had their Cry of Love was from kind of that area, which was kind of like a Brother Kane band, and uh, and then and then you had Dags in that area too. Mm-hmm. Right on. That's yeah, no doubt. So Dag, they they, they kind of blew me. That I mean, what I really got into was that fucking groovy, groovy like guitar. You know, it's like almost like um, I don't know if I want to call it porn licks, but it was just like so so funky. And the tone that they got was just so so nasty and like just. Arr. And I remember when we were listening to it, and you know, I even was like, "What is that? What what what?" It was an envelope pedal, and I'm like, I went out the next day and said, "I need an envelope pedal," and I actually, <laughs> I actually put that into my, I put that into my my pedal board, 
and we actually wrote songs with it. It's in a couple of our songs, you know, uh, thereafter. It's a real subtle, it's, it's this kind of, it's like an Ottawa okay. wah pedal kind of thing like that. It's kind of reverse wah pedal kind of sort of, huh. but it's funky as all hell. Yeah. No, I'm still totally. trying to remember that guitar player's name. God damn it. Yeah, well, I read the, um, I mean, I could probably look it up. I have it right here. On my, I read the, um, what's his name? Uh, the drummer for Black Crows. Uh, Dude, that guy's a really cool sports, uh, he's a sports guy in Atlanta now. Yeah, Steve Gorman. I mean, he's yeah. got, he has got a voice for radio, man. He is just like, it's so smooth. Buttersweet. Yeah. Um, and so I, I read that. That was a, a great book. I loved it. You know, I'm sure he pissed off the brothers. Yeah. Like, at this point, he doesn't really give a shit anymore. He's like, man, I got, I, I, I did my time. I dealt with y'all. I got a killer radio voice and I'm doing radio and making plenty of money. Y'all could be, y'all can go ahead and fight and booker. Yeah, I just didn't like the one, one thing I didn't like about the book is that they were always like, "Oh, we're so badass! Well, we're gonna get in fights!" And then I was like, "Come on, dude." Well, that, that was just like a, a haughty, narcissistic attitude. I mean, we can all have egos and all that, but it's just like, "Come on, man!" It's like really when you when it when you step on your dick like that, it, it's just a little overmuch, and people then look at you like, "You know what? What a prick!" Instead of going, "Wow, he's a you know, he's a rock star." But then when you got that attitude like that, it's kind of nasty and turns you off. It did with me too. But I saw the Black Crows when they were called Mr. Crow's Garden at the Nick in Birmingham, Alabama. There you go. That was a yes. I I know I remember reading that. And then we fought being from Birmingham, we could see him in Montgomery in Tuscaloosa. And we would kind of follow him right and we knew when they got signed, we went and a buddy of mine played in Slick Lily, which was a Birmingham band, had a show at the uh, Cotton Club, which is no longer. Mm -hmm. And we went, they, they were they were doing actually a, a, a showcase, of, uh, the Black Crows were. And I remember going in there and it was Slick Lily, it was them, they were setting up and they said, we can't set up because these guys, the Black Crows are doing a showcase. And they were doing, and the man, I just remember, you know, you're just like, dude, there's something way about this. And then we followed them. I remember going to, seeing him in Montgomery at this little, little bitty place. I mean, it was so small. And I remember you could eat, you know, you could get your wings and sit down. And they came out and he goes, this ain't no fucking soup and salad. Get up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's rock. You're like. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I remember driving down in college to uh, San Antonio to go see him and buying a pack of Black Crows uh, rolling papers. That would be suitable. Yep. All right. Well, back to Dag. So, is it just? I mean, is it your? Is it the guitar? The funk? Is it the fact that you you uh, discovered them on tour with Vallejo? What well, What was it that really said, "Hey, man, this has got to be this"? I want this one in my list. It was. It was immediate attraction. It was like I heard it. I didn't. I didn't even care who it was or what it, it could have been a band of midgets. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, man, this is the funkiest shit I've heard. I mean, it was the, it was like, I don't know, man, it just came out of nowhere, you know? Cause if you listen to it, think about 1994 and think about this band and it's a bunch of white dudes making that type of funk. And, and then you're like, it's a bunch of honkies, really? But it was, like I said, it, it was everything from the bass lines, dude, the drum sounds, the drum tones, yeah. that mm -hmm. guy, and the guitar. I mean, it, it, it's not one thing. It is 
every it's the band d-a-g and guess what they played at the steamboat in 90 really yeah and it was me and the brothers xavier muriel and it was like 15 of us and we had and it was 15 of us and that was it playing at steamboat on on sixth street just we were in there they're like dad playing what they were touring through and they sound just like the record they sound just really like it. wow just like okay it. that's crazy they're just a four-piece right like it. just fucking and guess what there were no tracks back then they sounded yeah. just like it so you're saying so they sounded figure. just like it i'm sorry i get i get over <laughs> i get overwhelmed but when when you think about where we are in music today and to know that these four honkies got up there and sounded like parliament Mm-hmm. Then, then it, it. That's why I get overwhelmed and push that. They sound just like it because I. You hear bands that aren't half as crappy and put together as that band, and they don't sound anything like it because these four cats were, and they were musicians, man. I mean, they yeah. played. They all sang and they played their parts. Oh, so it was. They were so good. They were ahead of their time, and bah, that was it. Oh, I they did it. another another cool record, but. It just, it, they were so ahead of their time and, and was like, you know, it'd be like a bunch of white dudes trying to pull off some Tejano down in Brownsville. It just, it ain't going to work. Right. I get, I dig it. I dig it. Well, hey, listen, I know you have these five albums. I forgot to ask you. I wanted to ask you at the beginning of the podcast, but I forgot. My bad. Um, so, you know, you have these five albums. You got to take them. This is the only records you can listen to for the rest of your life. Oh. Where, where are you taking these guys? It's so easy, man. It, that that's probably the easiest question you're gonna ask. Is <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take these where when I get in about the next ten years when I get my mom goes, I get her house and this house I'm living in, and I go out in the country. I'm taking every one of them out in the country, and I'm gonna have those are the ones I'm spinning, and that's it. It's gonna be vinyl. And I'm gonna have audio on my four wheeler. I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be that dude out in the woods. And they're like, "Don't go over there, man. That guy's in his underwear with an AR-15, driving on his four wheeler, listening to, man, same records over and over. That's and all over. he does. I think. I think he's a. He's got dementia or something. He's got a screw loose. All right. But I will take that and I will blast my farm animals with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I assume you have an AR-15. Uh, yes. That a boy. All right. Um, okay. So this is this is a sexy record for you. You love it. You said it's a love making record. It's a panty dropper for you, right? Man, it is. I, I, you know, I'm kind of giving away some of my secrets here, but it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's stay in in the panty dropper uh, alley right now, and let's talk about the 1996 debut release of Maxwell called um, "Urban Hang Suite." Another guy I, I've never, I'd never heard of. My wife, she, I was like, you know Maxwell? And she's like, ugh, r and so good. Um, I really enjoyed this album because when I was doing a little research on it, you know, uh, I know that some, um, uh, I, I think more than half of the tracks were recorded at Electric Ladyland Studio or Electric Lady uh, oh, Studios. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, I, I got the whole uh, Marvin Gaye Prince sexy thing coming out of it right off the bat. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's mainly, um, sexual ballads 
and slow jams. And it's, it's this concept. This is what I thought was so cool about it. The concept of the whole album was like an adult romance from start to end. So it's like love, sex, spirituality, commitment, marriage, monogamy, all of this stuff. And then just, I mean, the one thing that really stood out, his, his, his vocal and his falsetto was just like spot on, right? And one then, question. One, go ahead. One other thing. And then the, the, the bass groups, grooves, they're just so deep. And so, I mean, they're so present in the song. So well, that, that's my take away. Well, did you by chance run across any video? Have you ever seen him and his band live? No. Do I need okay. to go? Check it out. Oh, yes. When he's back, when he's back doing it, when he's doing his thing, it's you just got to see it live. As, as amazing as it is right here, again, this is back. Now, honestly, I would start off with this one. And then once we got in, then I, once it got a little rambunctious, I put some of this gag in. And that was <laughs> it. All the, I, you know, I, I, I just have enough to where I can just move my head and keep it going and click it. All right, go to the next one. But, um, you know, he had that to me. I, I was a big, you know, I love Neo Soul and I love D'Angelo. I love D'Angelo a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when he came out, you know, and I went um, from uh, Wishing Well Oh boy, uh, Terrence Trent Darby was another big, huge '80s, '80s funk guy. To be a white guy in Alabama, listen to that stuff. Was I just grew up with '70s, you know, the the funk and and the disco and all that. And I play rock and roll music because that's just where you know guitar. But you know, skating as a kid and listening all this disco, and I, I just loved the the neo funk, neo soul, all that kind of stuff. And then it went from Terrence Trent, and then there's D'Angelo. And then this was the new kind of guy. This was when Maxwell came out. He was like along with those those crooners and that R and B just killer low down stuff right there. And like I said, I've serenaded some. All right, I've got two questions for you. Times. Number one, what was it like growing up loving R and B in a extremely um, conservative state like Alabama? It was actually fun because I loved, I always loved pushing the envelope. I loved it for the fact that everybody be playing, you know, goddamn ACDC or, or, uh, and uh, don't get me scared. wrong. I, I, yeah, I, I love all that, but everybody would be wanting to, and that's cool and it was fun. But then, and, and I'm telling you, man, there's so many times that I would put it in and a bunch of people would get mad at a party, but then all the chicks would be like, him, you know, and, and then, and, and it's funny because it could turn a crowd of angry, honky white boys into like, man, my girl's dancing. I can't be fucking with that. And I was like, <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh. You know, then Eric, and then I, and did I, and I could, I could be at somewhere and I'd turn the lights down and get something going. And, and they're like, and because that's why all the brothers call me Cornelius Cabassier because I got these, uh, I got these jams that I put on. And they're like, all right, man, let's turn it over, turn, turn over to Cornelius and I'll, I'll get it going and I can change the mood. I can make a party happen with my selection of music. I swear to God, ask me, ask AJ, ask Gilmore. All right. Um, I'll ask him. I'll ask both of them. Like this. It's just like this. It's a, <laughs> got the, you got your finger on the pulse, huh? Mm, just like that. That's right. Uh, well, yeah, no. So uh, I read there was a quote in Blender magazine that said um, the song Till the Cops Come Knocking 
um, which is, I, I love that you hear sirens and that porn guitar in it. And then uh, they said, it is one of the greatest makeout songs of all time. It, it really is. But the first part of the couple of songs, that's a good one. But that's toward the end. That's kind of towards the end of the, the record when you're all sweating. And and the first part is like there's something, something and all that. that that's where I'm. It's probably one of the least favorites of mine. But it tells you the story of like he was kicking it. It's just like if the house, you know, Stevie Ray said, if the house is a rocking, don't bother knocking. This is the old soul version of it, you know. There you go. Yeah, you know, and I love the fact that, you know, he's coming out. I know that when he signed to Columbia, he, like, remarkably got creative control over what he was going to do. And, I mean, even to, the, like, the, the album cover, they had to, like, he didn't want his picture on the front because he didn't want to sway anybody. He just wanted the songs out there. And this is all during, like, when hip-hop is just really starting to fire up. And so you've got all this hip-hop going on. The fact that he was on MTV Unplugged. I mean, Wow. Well, dude, he's a real deal. I mean, and, and it, it, it kind of sucks, you know, that he, and he went off, he, just like Terrence Trent, he also went off and did some other stuff that was, it just, he just fell off and it just wasn't, didn't have the same thing. And I don't, you, I don't know if you know, but like Maxwell had some of the, like another one that I, you know, kept telling about Sade, which is a big mm -hmm. one of mine too, along the lines of this. Uh, he had some members of his band, of Sade's band, play on his record, you know, because ah, they were cool. studio musicians, yeah. Right. Uh, Mark, Mark, I think it's Markison, the guitar player. Guitar player. When you hear some of Sade stuff, like, some of these real funk kind of kind of things that he does, that uh, he does on Maxwell's record. Nice. Mark, Mark, Markison, Markison, I think is his name. Huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll look that up. I loved also. Uh, I did this once on one of my albums. Uh, the kind of quasi hidden track. You know, the last track is like actually six minutes long, but it's thirteen because there's six minutes of silence before the rest of it comes on. Yeah, we did that in our Shining Sun record, Irishman Lost in Spain, I think was something like that, except it was like 10 or 11 minutes or some shit like that. Yeah, come back in with, hey, they came back in with Till the Cops Come Knocking, so, but it was an instrumental version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, my other question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you're talking about, you know, you start off with, um, Maxwell, you go to DAG. After that, do you put on the flip side of Tattoo You? That would be a good one. Um, that's mine. That's my go-to. I mean, that that's that's. It, it, hold on a second. Is, is that the one with Slave or no? Slay. Do it! Do so yeah, no, it's the one with on the flip side. It's got like tops waiting for a friend. It's just like it's all. Like, mm. Do that video that waiting on. I remember wait waiting on a friend. I remember that video when they're just sitting on like that New York staircase and and and, and that's when Keith had that big ass black mane and everything. Oh God, they go to the Bull Hall. Oh, I love it. Oh, waiting on a friend. Yeah, no, that that inspired me to write a song uh, called Chicago when I was sitting out in Chicago with a guitar. I was a little bit ivory stoned and um, I just kind of came up with this idea. And the song's called Chicago. Weird. But um, yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. All right. So. Hey, I, 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 I just what? remembered the fucking guitar player's name. What's his Oddly name? Freed. Oddly Freed. Oddly For Christ's sake. He, he plays with uh, Dave Grissom with the Dixie Chicks. He played with the Black Crows. And he also wrote that record. If you want to hear a guitar, go, go cry of love. And oddly free, 
go listen to that. He is okay. a, he is a magician, oddly freed. He is one of the top, like David Grissom and yep. oddly freed are, are, are like this. That's how badass both of them are. Okay. Um, I would definitely check it out. No, no doubt. Yes. Yes. I've remembered it. We good job. Hey, I, oh, I get a, I get one. Here you go. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. All right, so let's let's talk about King's X, man. I've I I never got into these guys, but uh, again, this is the joy of me doing this podcast. Is it is it forces me to sit down and listen to uh, albums that I haven't heard of, you know? And we're, Hi, we're, dude. we're talking three already, right? Coming coming into this one, the next two I've heard before, but um, I just I don't know where to begin with this, man. I mean, nineteen eighty nine. This is when I graduated from high school. Okay, well. I was in college at the University of Montevallo, Alabama, and I remember watching MTV, and, and it was late night. I mean, obviously, there's another story. It's late night, too, but obviously, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it, and all of a sudden, it's, have you ever seen Over My Head, the video Over My Head? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Well, I was sitting there, and I saw it on, it was called Night Flicks or something, Night Tracks or something, and it's just them playing, and and it's bow, bow, and they started, I was like, oh, what is this? Three piece? And then I went, you know, I kept watching it, and, he, and he, they had this thing where the videos were starting to get real cool, where he was playing, and when he finished playing, and he, he this electricity was going from him to the, he was touching his microphone, and the, it was just this electric thing that was going around. But it, I was like, again, He's a, his background is gospel. He's a gospel yes. singer. He, yeah, he learned yeah. how to sing like that in church. And there you go again. I just love that. I, I love I love soul. And there you go. This is yeah. and he's got two guys and and you know uh, the drummer. Oh boy, uh, Jerry Gaskell. He's the one that uh, it, it's a concept record. I you know, don't the, know that. Yeah, it's a concept record. He sat and and he's like. This is this is either going to be the biggest mistake and it's going to get shot down or be amazing. But if you go in and a little more and read it, it's a concept record. It's almost like Mind Crime, like Operation Mind Crime, Queens Right before. But it's it's just a beautiful combination of. The, and I'll be honest with you, man. I love the band. The one thing I really and Ty Ty Tabor is an amazing guitar player, but I couldn't stand the process tone. I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I couldn't stand that. But the songs and his singing in the three piece was such a, it, it, it just moved me. And I was in college and I listened to that for probably a year. I woke up getting ready to go to school, put it in. I got home, put it in. <laughs> and I had one of these, <laughs> these fucked up ass water beds back then. You know <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I just remember trying to get, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, cause you, you try to pre- learn some of the riffs and you sit down on that waterbed and somehow you'd come up, you know, like that. <laughs> well, uh, okay. so here's what I, what I found out. Um, the way they got the title for the album. Do you know this? Uh, no. Um, they were around some of their groupies when they first started and they were just joking around about names and somebody threw out uh, Gretchen goes to Nebraska and, and one of them said, Hey, we're going to use that someday. They used it on their second album, and then they saw the guy, you know, a few, um, you know, 10, 15 years later, and they told him, hey, we used that on the record. Remember when you said that? He's like, no, what are you talking about? So he told him that's, that's how they got the name for the album. 
that's a that's a beautiful thing. I just know that he locked himself in a he locked himself in a room and just and took obviously that phrase, but he just went from start to finish and and uh, just put it together. And and you know when you got a singer like Doug Pennick, uh, I, I I saw them. I got a funny story. Um, in Birmingham, Alabama, at the BJCC, which is the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center, um, King's X being from Houston, uh, ZZ Top was touring, and they got the ZZ Top tour. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so we were watching them, and that was when I, I first started picking up the harmonica. This was goddamn. This was eighty, uh, eighty, seven, eight, nine, six, something like that. And, and. I went there with my buddies. His dad promotes it, Rafino Vaughn Productions. And his dad promoted all things. We get there, you know, we're little kids. And I remember going, I couldn't wait to see King's X. So I remember getting out there, and I'm not going to lie, dude, it sounded so horrible. I mean, it was just all you are. And, and Doug Pennick plays an eight string bass because there's a three piece. So he plays that big, low eight strings. It's not a regular bass. So okay. it's kind of like it's kind of like Tom Peterson from. Uh, yeah. cheap trick you know that gosh so it growled and that's all you could hear it sounded like a bloody mess but what i did get to do is uh <laughs> his dad johnny's dad's like hey and he's from new york you got that fucking harmonica shit and i was like yes sir i do he said well come play for these bitches and i was like all right and i didn't know what he was talking about but all the the whole zz top crew was in this room and they had these strippers and I just went in there, and they just danced on the table to all their, all their, <laughs> all their crew. Swear to God, swear to fucking God. Man. That's uh, that's, but that's another, you know. And then another one is when Vallejo, we were playing in Houston at Engine Room or some fucking room, and you know we're sitting there and and da 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 da, and he's like, hey man, uh, Doug Phoenix here, he wants to see you. I'm like, what? And it, get him up here. We were, we were on at the. We had a bus at that time, and Doug Pennant came on, you know. And I was just like, oh, "Holy shit, really? Yeah, you guys." And then I mean, I love Doug, and you know, he he loves to jump the fence, and that's okay. But I at that time I didn't care, man. I was like, I love everything you do. Summerland, out of this. Oh my god, dude! I can go for days. And again, I can listen to that thing over and over again. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just talk about the harmonies. I mean, come on, this is like those harmonies were just insane. They were and they're so good. All three piece, and you know, when I talked to you a while back, I went down the wormhole a little bit and kind of started watching some live stuff. And guess what? They sound exactly same thing like the record. I mean, it's amazing, and and what kills me too is that again, I'm not a a, a big fan of Ty's vocals because his vocal tone or his vocal, his, his, or, or his guitar tone. But I, I love him, how he's playing and he sings, sings well, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he sang a bunch of these tracks. Wow. Like, yeah. Playing the old blender game. If I was to play it with these guys, I'd say, um, Dio triumph and some grunge dude. bands, throw them in a blender. God, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know where to, the blender game, that, that's a good way to put it. Um, I would go bass tone, I'd have to go cheap trick just because of his, it growls, he's got this growling bass, but not anything else to that. But then, 
like Faith No More. I mean, dude, I don't know where to there go with go. that. There you go. I'd Faith I like No More meets, meets Star Trek or something. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Don't be dissing Star Trek. I No, that's not a diss at all. But I just like, it, it's just so, it's just different. But yet, the guy sings gospel, but yet they, he, the homeboy's got this processed guitar tone. But that, that white drummer has such a badass backbeat. And then he plays the eight-string bass. Dude, that is just the weirdest potpourri of King's X. Is you, can't, you can't put your finger on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. It's like they're a three-piece band. If you could put out that much noise. Good Lord have mercy. Yeah, you're right. That's what I said. Okay, let's talk about the cult. Nineteen eighty-five on Beggars Banquet Records, classic. Love that uh, homage yeah, to the Stones. That's their second album. Um, I've got a funny story to tell you, tell you about. So when I was in college, um, I was in a fraternity, and well, we won't even talk about that part. But I was we were at the parties and. It, it was always whenever the cover band would get up there and play songs, they would always shoot this guy, push this guy on stage, Tommy Sorrero, and he would sing um, "Wildflower." And off electric, nice. Uh, yeah, and so um, that's that's my story because that's when I, I first really started listening to the Cult. God, that's really not a good story, but uh, it's okay. Well, I, it's not as good. As, it's not as good as, as you playing hard for for naked strippers. But, oh, I I, but this one, I'll be honest with you, I got two or three on this band that are going to get. All right. Kind of I, see, this is, see, this is, I love this conversation already. Come on, talk Trying to me. To tell, tell me stories. Dude. Tell me stories. So, so I'm going to start off with the, the, the kind of young one. You know, I was, I was, uh, well, uh, I saw, I remember hearing about him, right? And I, I saw this thing, I guess uh, it was, I don't know if you know, they were called the Southern Death Cult at one point yes i do and they and so so i'm going i'm going to eat at uh uh it was called britland's cafeteria which is like a furs okay, okay. so my parents would, and so we would go we'd go into this and it was a uh a, a strip mall and we would eat and i'd eat fast as fuck because there was it was called uh charlemagne records which was literally right next door and i'd shove my food down and i'd just get the fuck out See? and where are you going I was like, boom, I'm going, where you going? I'm going to every store. And you go, you get those little <laughs> pins and everything. And I remember seeing it because I'd heard about it. And it said Southern Death Cult. And I'm like, holy shit, this is before the cult. And I was like, I, I told him, I said, I want to buy that. Well, that, it was a cassette. Right. Yeah, those are the days. And it was $13 cassette. Back then. Back in, dude, that's like, that's like 60 bucks, you know, when you're a kid. Yeah. And, and I, I, uh, so I, I, I hauled ass back into the fucking cafeteria and I said, dad, please, please give me an advance on my, on my, uh, uh where the fuck you get? Yeah. Yeah. Please. And he goes, all right, here's five bucks. And so I went and put it down and they ordered it. And then when it came in, let me tell you something. That was the hard, most horrible bunch of shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I got that. Good artwork though. I brought, I brought it home. I was like, and I remember putting it in going, I was, I was devastated. I really literally was because I couldn't listen. To, I mean, I am. I like what I like, and I ain't gonna like something just to, if I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care how much I pay for it. But on down the road, you know, after that, I got disgusted with it. Well, I remember I was, I was, uh, it was 
I think I was 15 years old and we were at a friend's house and it was not, I was on the couch and I was with a friend, a girlfriend of mine, her name was Beth Wallace. And we were, we were, we were getting, getting down on it on the couch. And it was this old ass couch and we were watching Netflix. And uh, it was not Netflix, uh, Night Track. <laughs> and I, I just remember, you know, you know, you, you were in your own little thing getting it. And I remember hearing, don't on don't on don't you know, it was like, it was, it was a sanctuary or, or a rain or whatever, whichever okay. it was. Yeah. And I remember I came straight up, gun in hand, and just turned right around and just like right here watching that. And I had no idea that that was the Southern, that that was the cult from the Southern death Court right. at the point. I, I remember seeing it because he looked totally different too. Ian Astabury looked totally different. And I remember sitting there and she said, Hey, what are you doing? And I sat there and watched that entire show. Left me. She left me. I guess I left her hanging too, but she <laughs> left me hanging. She's like, fuck that dude. And I remember sitting there and ever since then, then that was around when we were doing our, I had a band and we did like, we did, we did Phoenix. We did uh rain. We did sanctuary, uh, we did hollow man. We did, we almost did that whole record and meeting up with the brothers. <laughs> they took, they took our whole, they took our whole set list and which, which had a bunch of cult in it. And I remember going and seeing them. I was like, this is before I played with them. I was like, damn y'all, y'all play everything we play. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and don't, it's funny. They kind of don't admit it, but then, and then soon thereafter, that's when we started playing together. It's like, we were both in, uh, you know, different high schools, and they came and saw a big party when I was 14, 15 years old playing this stuff, and I just sang, and I didn't play guitar at that point, and they were all, they were all playing trumpets in the band and everything, and they're like, dude, this guy can do that, you know, how to, I had fucking flaming Kentucky waterfall, you know, oh, <laughs> a nice. pink polo, I had a, dude, I had a pink polo on, billabong shorts, I mean, it just... <laughs> Straight uh, urban, I, 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 straight <laughs> urban boy. I swear to God, I'm not going to lie, man. I mean, it was, you know, it was straight that, but uh, that's where it all started. But the cult was really big for me and, and, you know, and finding my own at that point and knowing that what I really liked. I mean, I, yeah, I loved R&B and everything I come, but that, that right there, they had a special place. And, and then, you know, uh, a love removal machine and, and that whole electric record is great too. And after that, they kind of, there's a couple good, you know, Sweet Soul Sister and stuff like that. I, I kind of lost me after that, but the, the cult was really big in my, you know, my teenage, besides Dio and the, the whole Maiden and all that kind of stuff. This is totally different from that, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, this is this is definitely a more progressive album for the time. You know, and, and and Electric was produced by Rick Rubin. Oh, yeah. And that's what, that's where the cult got Hollywooded, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it, it it was good. Don't get me wrong. I love the record. I really. I mean, come on, man. Wildflower, Little Devil. I mean, come on, man. You can't mess with any of that stuff. But that the the, the cult was a huge band for me. I, I mean, I have to. That's why I could not leave that record out. It was because it moved me as a kid, and it made me go. That's besides Eddie Van Halen and and Kiss. You know, when you're a kid, it was when I was a kid. It was Eddie Van. It was Kiss and Eddie Van Halen. 
Mm-hmm. And but then when I came into my own, was like, all right, I want to kind of mod myself. I like that, not so much that, but that, you know. So I had that redneck southern southern rock thing, but this is what I, I really like that a lot too. Yeah, um, I tell you what, those Brits kick out some good rock and roll. That's true, man. I mean, it was like I said, it was it was life altering for me. The cult was big time, and to put the icing on the cake. I got a call from Alex Vallejo it was years ago and he goes, Hey man, dude, we're opening up for the cult at the Alamo dome in San Antonio. And I was like, I laughed. I said, fuck you, man. I was like, why, why do you have to be like that? And see, and me and the brothers, we're super, super huge fans. I mean, we both, you know, we all play that. Da, da, da. We're 15 years old. He goes, dude, I'm not shitting. And we actually got to, we opened up for him. I actually, they, they were late for their sound check. We did our sound check, you know, da, da, da. We were like, hey, um, would you guys mind uh, sit, uh, uh, just sound checking their stuff? And I was like, we looked, no. And I was like, I'm playing the Falcon. And I ran straight over that. <laughs> I ran. I was like, I'm playing the Falcon, man. I'm playing that Gretsch. And I literally got to play the one that was on Love, that was on Sanctuary. Nice, nice. nice. And, we, and, and, and the, the, funny, the funny thing is, so we all mounted up, you know, we all got our stuff because they, they had another guitar player. They had uh, Billy Duffy had another guitar player playing with him at the time. So there were two guitar players. So AJ got that one and I got that one. And and they said, uh, well, y'all just play something. And we're like, what song do you want to hear? They're like, what do you mean? What cult song would you like to hear? <laughs> like, what do you mean? They said, we can do Sanctuary, Phoenix, Love Removal Machine, Little Devil, uh, child baby what wildflower uh, which one would you like to hear rain which one they said really so we busted into peace dog dong dong <laughs> <laughs> we busted, those, dudes, those dudes laughed they're like oh <laughs> i mean that, they, they threw it was like throwing us in the briar patch man they threw us in the briar patch and we're like oh you these birds <laughs> don't hurt oh mercy dude but yeah that's uh i i could have i could have I said my music career could have been over at that point. I was like, I play with the cult. All right. I play with James Brown, done a couple of those. Like, I play with the cult. Done over. Mm-hmm. Done. All right. So let's stay in this rock vein and talk about your last record from uh, Aerosmith from 1976, Rocks, your fourth album. I mean, you can't. I mean, there's that was to me. Uh, you know, I, I I hung around a lot of older folks when I was growing up, and especially music. And instead of being, you know, being the Motley Crue, I mean, yeah, I like oh Motley Crue and all that stuff. But I got introduced to early Ted Nugent, early Aerosmith, early Dio, um, Thin Lizzy, UFO. I got introduced to all, and that was five to eight years ahead of me, kind of sorta. You know that stuff. So I, I I got introduced to that because I played with these guys that were when I was itty bitty i played with these guys that were like six or seven years older and they introduced me they were cutting our yard when we were kids and we would go over there and watch and play i know that's the first time i ever saw drugs this dude snorting pcp off a damn technic speaker <laughs> swear to god and he looked at me and goes don't do this and i'm like <laughs> you know me, me and my buddy carl in our little polos and shorts and mullets you know just this is what this is all i mean it, it was just a trip but uh yeah, man, it, the, the Rocks record after Night in the Ruts and all that stuff. It, it, to me, it was their pinnacle. 
yeah it was their it was their pinnacle and it was when i I mean i hate i hate to be i hate to sound like it but they were really using drugs hardcore and they were they had had been all the way up to this and they were just heroined out and doing and they'd say it one of the best records i mean i can't i I mean mean, there's there so i read steven tyler's autobiography Okay. And and yes, they were fucked up the whole. He and Joe Perry. I mean, the, but you know, it's 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 the typical thing. You know, good try to do something solo, it just doesn't work. It's the dynamic no, they have between themselves. I mean, look, look at all the stuff on it. You got you're back in the saddle. I mean, it, you got nobody's fault. I mean, come on, man. I mean, come on, man. Last, it's like it, that record. It's like and how it. it and when you look at it, it's black. It's got that red Aerosmith logo, and it's got pinball bumpers. Come uh-huh. on, man. It does. Come on, so, man. So, hey, guess what? I saw a quote by Joe Perry where he said, no doubt we were doing a lot of drugs, but whatever we were doing, it was still working for us. And that couldn't have been summed up in what I just said. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it, it was. And then, you know, then all that – as high as you get like that, it all comes crashing down. And it did, you know, and then talking to Vinny is like done with mirrors. That's one of the records we like. And then they came out with, after they dried up a little bit, done with mirrors. And it was cool, but I'll be honest with you, man, when Joe Perry left the band and they did a rockin' hard place. Come on, dude, Joey Crespo. Do those that record without Joe Perry, and I'm a huge Joe Perry fan. Well, I was, I was until the last ten years and seeing him play live on MTV and stuff, and he he just blew it. He blows it every time. And he needs stop. <laughs> and he stop. I mean, I love Joe Perry, dude. But how many times can you see a guy just wash it up? So I'm a Jason Aldean do some stuff, and I don't know if he's just hammered or just can't play anymore. But it just it it ruined it for me, man. It's like. Why did you just stop and I just had you at permanent vacation and I could have left it at that or Jenny's got a gun, you know? It's like, but uh, honestly, the only, uh, back to Aerosmith, I, the only concert that I've ever worked my way all the way up to the front was uh, that, that show. It, it was, oh God, what, what was that without Scott Wilder? What was STP without Scott Wilder? Talk show. It was talk show and Aerosmith at the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center when Vallejo, we were playing, we were touring through there and they playing. I, and I, a friend of mine took me and I had a ticket and I went all the way to the front and I did it once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> ever, never, ever. But rocks, man, rocks, you know, night in the ruts is killer. Draw the line. But rocks is a, like I said, it was a it's signature. A killer, it's, it's an amazing album. It's a signature kid yeah that you know that you when we were kids we go you know sit down by the creek and have we camp out that night and drink heineken until we threw up and smoke weed and listen to rocks you know it's like i do i do they're a um i mean it's an insane and an awesome album it's yeah, one of my favorites rats in the cellar uh, come on man i mean going under yeah. was so, I, I loved rats in the cellar i love sick as a dog Dude, we used to play, and, and uh, dude, it's just so funny. Just reminiscing back of, God, we played played Sick as a Dog. We played Rats in the Cellar. We played uh, Nobody's Fault. No, 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 no
Oh God. Wow. Well, but yeah, that, that, that brings back, I mean, going over these five records just makes me just waller for lack of a better word and everything that, that I grew up. And, and like you said, in the beginning of what, where I am as a, as a person, as a player and as a, a music lover and stuff, it, that's all this has brought me right back where it is. Awesome, man. This is, I, I've loved this conversation and let me tell you why, because you have stories to go on with every one of your albums, which I love. Um, from the cults, from playing harmonica to titty dancers to whatever else it was. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, some of the titty dancers, it sounds the same, but it's the fucking truth. Sorry. Hey, man. You know what? I <laughs> wish I could have done that. I wish I could have done that as a youth. <laughs> I, no oh. doubt I want to do that as a youth. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aerosmith's great. Um, to be a hundred percent honest though, I didn't really love the autobiography because it was so much about him getting wasted on heroin and on cocaine. I read it. I read that too. And it's one of the only ones I read. Uh, oh no, 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 no. I read the, uh, 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 uh walk this way. That's not the one you read. No, I read this, walk this, this one's th does the noise in my head bother you. It's, it's Steven Tyler's autobiography. No, 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 no. I haven't done that, but I'm headed for, uh, I know I'm jumping the subject, but you know, our boy Keith Richards, I can't wait to get that. I, I, I started a little bit of it on a, what is it? A audio deal or whatever. And was does, does fell he, into it. Does he, uh, does he, uh, narrate it? No, Johnny Depp does. Oh, even oh, that's so cool, dude. It's it's fucking stupid, man. It got it. They let you hear a little bit of it to see if you want it, and I was like, immediately, I loved. I'm a huge Johnny Depp fan too. Yeah, and you know, and you know, Johnny Depp got his all his thing off that Pirates of the Caribbean from yeah, Keith Richards. Keith. Yeah, you know what's up. Yeah. But uh, I know we kind of slided on that. But you know, I know your love for uh, you know the Stones, and we both have that too. I mean, Shadoobi, you know, Shattered. Come on, man. You know. Uh, I just, the last, I just recorded another podcast with Mike G and mm -hmm. it was an offshoot podcast because about, and I, I say this on the, on the last podcast, but about a year and a half ago, I was telling, we were at the one-on-one -on -one bar and I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, I have this podcast. You should be on it. And, uh, it's top five records of all time for you. And then we started talking some more and we started getting some, some friendly stones arguments and we we're laughing, having fun. And I said, whoa, 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 let's do top three stones albums for you. And so our conversation was, was literally two dudes with the same fa fascination, just nerding out on the stones. That's so, a beautiful thing. That's it was great. It was, it was, it was one of the funnest one. This is, this is, this is a, a close second for sure. Um, but so let's, let's talk about where people can find you online. Are you still playing with a Vallejo when you can play out this COVID stuff freaking sucks my, you know what? Yeah, so. man, it, it is what it is, and you can only do what you can do. We, uh, before this started, I guess it was in July, we had a, a date with uh, Joan Jett. She was going to be doing uh, whatever that Def Leppard poison or something or another happening, and uh, she was doing that, and we were going to do the Joan Jett thing, and then we had a, a, a bunch of really cool festivals, you know, to yeah. play. That's what, Vallejo, we play festivals, and, and you know, more or less bigger shows, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, I mean that that train's still just a rolling novelty. You know, we play and we we you, we have our records that everybody likes, and that's what we do. You know, and then AJ and my AJ and myself, we have a fun uh, band. 
Southtown, Southtown with, yeah. with Les Fisher and D Rob that plays nineties. You know, I get to go into my funk and, and go down that wormhole and, and Michael Jackson and, you know, even contemporary stuff that we do with that band. And then most, you know, obviously out doing some acoustic stuff and every once in a while, if we can find the time, I can come up and jam with you at, uh, <laughs> well, at your thing, right? Well, that, that's something I want to talk to you about offline. Um, okay. And then, and then uh, AJ's got this interesting thing that's going down amongst the other 400 things he does. It's called uh, Brody Lane that he approached me with. And yep. it's, a, it's a roots rock act. Um, I've seen him play. Yeah. Well, it's, that was that. This is this. And it's me and Geismer, Alex Geismer, uh-huh. and AJ Vallejo, and Joe Flagler uh, from uh, Motorcars. Okay. It's those four guys, and that's what we, we he's put together. And uh, you know, we're, we're we're we've already shot like three or four videos that are that are coming out. And during this COVID, you know, when he, when he approached me, he said, "He was, hey, you know, we could do this and that." And I was like, "Let's plan." <laughs> and uh-huh. he said, "He goes, while we can't do anything, I'm going to work a song to radio, and I'm going to put out three or four videos so that when we do come out of the smoke, um." that we'll be ahead of the game. You know, we'll have stuff online and we'll have something out there that people have been listening to because you can't fuck with the radio or video. You know, the, the mediums that can't be coveted up. So just right. put it out there, you know? I mean, and, and that dude, AJ is so talented. I mean, you know, singer, songwriter, guitar player, dude, he's an editing genius. He, his video stuff is, is just, it, it's supreme. And I was like, I'm in, man. You got a plan? I'm in. I just don't want to go down and play rinky-dink-ass places on Wednesday nights, you know? I did. I, I, t- I totally hear you. That's exciting because, yeah, what I saw from Brody Lane was, uh, I don't, it was, I forget who was on the guitar, that tall dude. Fucking yeah, he's bad. Dude, he's fucking amazing. Hey, yeah. who's that guy that played guitar from Brody Lane? The first guy? Um, Charlie Richards. Charlie yep, Richards. That's his name, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Not Keith, but Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> woo, woo. Uh, all right. So Brody Lane, uh, Vallejo, do you have any like Instagram or Facebook or YouTube that you want to throw out there? If you, I don't, mean, you I, don't have to say anything. Oh, no, man. I, like I said, you could just right now. I, I just try to throw out positivity and, you know, my little girl and, and it sucks because I'm a huge college football fan, which I think that's going to actually happen at this point. You know, at least three of the five power conferences are going to pull their balls out. And we're going to get to have somewhat – how long it lasts, I don't know. But, you know, just – I'm 369 on Instagram, and uh, I, I do a lot That's of That's your handle, stuff. 369? Bruce 69. Uh, Bruce 69. Yes. And, you know, the, you've heard everything. Those are the ones that I'm putting my stuff into, and, and I have a, a band that I did back in, uh, I guess, the 2000s called Saucer that I have uh, some stuff that was put out on uh, on National Lampoons. I know it sounds funny. It was barely legal, some stuff that uh, – that, that record that, that record is I, – I still today is one of the best records. I wrote it from front to back, all lyrics, all music, all everything. I had George DeBoer on it. I had uh, – nice. I had uh, 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 X, Xavier Muriel uh, okay. on drums mm-hmm. and John Ulrich on bass. And uh, it, it's, a, you know, it's a hard rock SDP kind of thing. If you can find it, 
get it and listen to it. It's fun to work out to people tell me. So whatever that means. <laughs> whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> all right. But if, if they want to see you moving forward, once all this COVID crap just, just lightens up and you can actually go out and see music, it's driving me freaking crazy, dude. It, it's like driving me nuts. I can't go see music. I can't go out and play music. I can't do what, what I need to do in my life. But once they do, it's going to be Southtown, Brody Lane, and Vallejo. Right? Vallejo. Yeah. And then, I mean, who knows? I may be putting a, a, a jam band thing together. You, like I said, if you're on Facebook and want to check it out, uh, that's probably the best way to find anything I'm doing. Or I, I'm either playing with AJ. <laughs> you know the, what I'm saying? What's the uh, Facebook jam band thing? Uh, I, don't, I don't know yet. I mean, oh. we, we, there's, a, there's a couple of things that are going on that, uh, as you can tell, if you go to my Facebook, I don't do any live streaming and all that. So I, I just, uh, like I said, when we, we, we have something coming out of this. It, it may be with Omar and guys. There's a couple things that are coming in, but right if you want to know anything, just go to the, the Facebook thing, and that's that's where you'll kind of know anything. For Brody Lane? For Brody Lane, AJ Vallejo's got that. I'll okay. have that too once he gets going. But we already have one video out, Brody Lane, that, that we've done. And then he's we did this really cool one around a campfire that's going to be super cool. We did it with a drone and with a lift, so it's, nice. it's really got some cool shit. Yeah, it's, it's going to be neat. And I'll tell you what, that bar. <laughs> it was hot, motherfucker. It was hot. All right, dude. Well, listen, I had a blast today. This is, um, I loved hearing your insights. I love your stories. They're so perfect. Uh, Thanks, and, man. you know, everybody has a different reason why they pick their album or their, their records. And uh, yours were <laughs> very unique. And I liked it. Um, let's see, we're doing this on Zoom because it's uh, COVID. Uh, Bruce is over there sniffing glue, I think. Yeah, that would be nasal. <laughs> I, I do I do have bad allergies, you know. They come and go. Right on. All right. Well, Brucey, thank you so much, man. I had a blast doing this with you today, and uh, let's talk soon. Cool. I appreciate you, man. You're doing a great job. I appreciate, I appreciate everything, man. Take care. Thanks, Thanks brother. Lay late. Oh, I so love all the stories that Bruce has that go along with all of his favorite records oh they're so funny um if you want to check him out on social or the web go look for vallejo or south south town or brody lane his handle is on instagram is bruise 69 i think that's what he said uh if you've got the gumption though head over to thebiggunshow.com and check out what my band is up to these days you can also catch us on facebook on instagram and on youtube with the handle of the big gun show band that's the on the beginning and band on the end. Um, we play at the Little Longhorn Saloon. We play all over Austin. Um, home of Chicken Chip Bingo is Jenny's, but bring Grandma. I promise. She'll have a blast. And I'll be back in two weeks. Then every other week after that. But first, close your eyes. You're stranded in the country with an AR-15. What five records do you have? And we'll be your friend, that's right. Let's get it on.